Welcome to episode two of our second series of Sharing Social, the monthly show that connects the people behind the hashtags together with content, ideas and insights. Starting off as an in-person event, moving to virtual and then evolved into the podcast. If you miss our first episode, you really did miss out. We had Nada Alkuti, social media leader from IBN on the show last month, and it was truly insightful. Nada spoke about building an influencer marketing strategy. Um, Becca, you remember that. What was your biggest takeaway from last month's podcast? I really loved everything that Nada said about team empowerment and employee advocacy. So sitting down with everyone, helping your team come up with a social media plan, because sometimes that can feel really daunting to people, like they know they're supposed to post, but what are they going to post? And I thought she had a really, really good um, sort of framework for achieving that. I loved that. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought it was a a fascinating episode, actually, and great to kick off our our second series. You can listen to the last episode on Spotify or Apple now. This series is a collaboration between digital marketing agency, Base Creative, and social media platform we know and love, ContentCal. Each show will bring on a very special guest to share their knowledge and their insight too. My name is Ian, I'm founder of Base Creative, and I'm with Becca, who works with me as a social media consultant. And we've also got social media superbod, founder of Content Cal, Andy Lambert. But today our hero for this episode is Kelsey Nebling, social media senior manager for Reckit, behind some of the world's most recognizable consumer brands like Neurofin, Dettol, and of course, everyone remembers Barry Scott from Silip Bang. That's the theme of today's show though. We're managing social media within corporate communications, a route we haven't taken before. And I cannot wait to get Kelsey's insight into building a corporate reputation inside social media. Andy, let me bring you in here. You're like the Barry Scott of social media, isn't that right? Bang, (laughs) and the social media post is live. Uh, (laughs) I've never been called that before, but you know what? I'll take it, I will take it. So uh, not quite as famous, unfortunately, but yeah. We'll work on that. So Andy, what did you think about what were your biggest takeaways from uh, last month's podcast? Yeah, I loved it. Um, So yeah, you already mentioned this, but the influencers, the partners, the ambassador piece, you know, social media is a collaborative affair. I mean, Becca already touched on this, like having other people work with you to help create and distribute your content strategy. So, so important. Yeah. So a lot of lessons in that one. And then we're going to get a whole bunch of new lessons from a very different perspective. So, Kelsey, utterly wonderful to meet you. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Really great to be here. Thanks yeah, for really, me. really pleased. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So, yeah, you've had quite an interesting journey as to to where you've got to here for you know social media senior manager. So, you know, you're fairly recent into to this job, like nine months in, I think, if I'm I'm correct. So, give us a feel for like how your career at kind of Reckit has prepared you for you know what you're doing right now. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, as you said, a uh, really recent sort of into this role, and this being a very specialized role, particularly on social media. However, I have been working across social media, you know, for the past few years at Racket. I came into the corporate communication team in 2016, you know, was looking after sort of the channels really in a sense, sort of working with with the team and how we're going to position those. Um, And then since then, I sort of built out and um, was working on sort of more of a holistic digital role. 
Um, but as we've built out the function and as we've got more sort of buy-in really into what we're doing and as we've proven ourselves, I think, as a function, um, we've got more resource and more capabilities really in-house to be able to properly think about these things strategically. So moving from, you know, last year, really looking after everything digital in a sense with social media only really being about a third of my role. Now moving into a role that's much more specialized across social and I can really start to unlock where we can make that impact from our channels. So really at the beginning of our journey as, as a business, which, which is crazy if you think about, we are a massive corporation, you know, we've, we've got 43,000 colleagues across the globe. Um, a third of the person was looking after social recently, but, you know, really excited to be able to see how we can, we can drive it further. And we've already started to do that as well. You know, we've already made a lot of impact um, sort of across this year, across the past three years too. When I first started in 2015, it looked really different. Like the whole landscape, we were RB at that point as well. So we weren't even the company that we are today. So, so really different. And, uh, and it's been great sort of coming along this journey as well with Reckitt. That's fascinating. So let's let's unpack that because there's a few nuggets in there that are really, really interesting. So so you mentioned that social media, despite the size of Reckitt, as you've already alluded to, was managed by a third of a person prior to you. Yes, for the corporate brand, may I say. So obviously we do have brands like Solid Bang, like Durex, obviously all of these um, brands have, have, have big teams. They've got big digital marketing teams. They've got a presence. You've probably seen them all over the place. So this is the Racket brand, and that, you know, that, that is the case if you think about Racket, or people probably don't think about Racket because people don't know the company. Um, so, so that's really where we are, and that was, you know, reflected in the support that we had for social, for the corporate brand, really at that, that point as well. So as we're building out Racket, uh, we're building out our brand, we're becoming more of consumer facing than what we used to be before you know when when people ask me where I work um I say Reckitt or I used to say RB used to say Reckitt Bankisa you know there's all of these different names that we used to be when I say that people say who no I haven't heard of you but then you talk about you know Jurex you talk about Airwick you talk about Nerefin it's like oh yes you're, you're in my house you're yeah. there um <laughs> so so how do we also get our, our, our corporate brand there as well. And, and I think that's really up to me now to try and do that from a social media perspective. Very interesting. So clearly cultures have shifted within the business, even over the last six years that you've been part of Reckitt. So what do you think has been the primary driver of that culture shift? And, you know, one thing I really specifically with that question want to pick up on is like people have started to, you mentioned the word buy-in. There's more buy-in to social as a, as a channel. Mm -hmm. So I really want to understand the cultural shift of that because there'll be many visitors listening in that that aren't on that journey yet. So how can yeah. that kind of you know move forward, you know? Yeah, and it's a it's a journey. It comes from many things. I think it comes from um, absolutely external factors. It comes from consumers wanting to know who is the company behind the products that they're buying. You know, uh, they're they're going into a shop. They're they're wanting to know. You know, is this sustainable? What else do they do? Are they a responsible business? So, you know, you think about some of our competitors, they've probably been doing that a, a bit longer than us and really positioning their, their corporate brand at, at the forefront of their consumer brand. So it comes from 
consumers as the consumer need, absolutely, to, to know who the brand is behind the products that they're buying. So that has been obviously a big factor and an evolution um, over, you know, the past, I would say three, two to three years, potentially. Um, it's, it's got, it's kind of been more at the forefront. And it's also from a personal perspective, me as well, I want to know who the brands, uh, the, the brand is behind the, the products that I'm buying too. I want to, you know, understand um, how sustainable a product is that I'm buying. So, so absolutely it's, it's that external factor. And then from an internal perspective as well, it's how we're positioning Racket, um, you know, where we were as RB, no one knew us. Um, our, our positioning as a company, our purpose was, you know, it, it wasn't really something to get behind. Um, but uh, the beginning of last year, so Feb 2020, we launched our new purpose as a business too. So again, it's something for colleagues as, as a key audience, for potential talent as a key audience to really understand what we do as a business and how we really drive that purpose you know, across, across the world and really drive it into everything that we're doing as well. So from that external factor comes really how we're then positioning ourselves and, and developing a, a purpose to really get behind as a business. So I'll let you know what our purpose is. We, uh, we exist and the relent, uh, sorry, <laughs> we exist to protect, heal and nurture and the relentless pursuit of a cleaner, healthier world. So that is, that is that is something that's really impactful. You can you can um, you know dissect that, and you can see actually you know what that company is doing because of that really specific you know purpose and and actually why we exist. So that disseminates into absolutely everything that we do. So to show up as a corporate brand and position ourselves in that way, we need you know we need the the backing and the buy-in really right from the business to position that for all of those stakeholders. And we're talking many a stakeholder when it comes to, um, when it comes to a corporate brand. That's really interesting. So clearly a cultural shift in the business over the last couple of years where it's like, right, we're all aligning around the why behind our organization. What's our fundamental mission? So that, that makes sense and how it transcends everything also means that lots of people get bought into it, which, which I absolutely love. So then in turn that, from what I'm presuming, well, given your appointment into, you know, social media senior manager, I'm guessing the business has started to recognize social as a key channel for the distribution of that message. So, yeah, talk to me about how that's how you felt social media specifically evolve over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started in the role, so in 2016, we were very much in the infancy of what corporates look like on social media. So that is an employer brand. We're there to hire talent as a, as a company where that's why we're on social media. You know, we can reach out to potential talent and that's how we're going to sort of create an employer brand um, for, for our company. And it's, it, that's how we do it on social media. So that's where it started. And I think as we've really been building out our strategy and we've really been starting to build out our brand and, and who we're talking to, there are so many more stakeholders than, um, than, you know, just potential talent, obviously. So how do we reach investors? How do we reach our key customers? How do we reach 
consumers because as as I was just saying they are they are an audience even for a corporate brand there's media there's um you know there's so many different audience sets that that sit behind it and I think the role that social media can play here is a really interesting one because we can you know for relatively small you know resource we can reach some of these really specific audiences in a really targeted way so I think there's almost two elements that come into a, a strategy or our strategy for um, for positioning the corporate brand. There's that wide brand awareness piece for all of these audiences. You know, who are Racket? What do we do? What's our purpose? And then there's the really specific, sorry, specific objectives that we then get for each of these stakeholders. So let's work really closely with Um, some of our internal teams um, on, you know, what do we want investors to know? What do we want investors to do? And let's get really specific on who that target audience is and what we want them to do. And with social media, we can really do that. And I think the great thing about social media is the metrics that you get behind it. You know, we recently also um, brought in a measurement team into the business and into the corporate affairs team. And they are really helping us to understand our metrics across the board. And what we're seeing is that really where you're getting all of the meaty, all of the really interesting outputs is from social. The question then is, how do we then take those output metrics and turn them really into impact? And I think that takes working directly with all of the internal teams like the investor relations team, like the brand teams to understand what they want from us as a corporate brand and how we can create those impacts, you know, is it um, downloads of our annual report? You know, that's an easy one. Is it, uh, you know, hiring talent on LinkedIn? We can see, you know, from from people seeing our, our content on LinkedIn, a downward funnel. Actually, we've actually hired these people because they've seen our content. So, top, you know, brand awareness piece, and then some of that really interesting, specific uh, objectives that we can, you know, we can really help areas of the business to, to almost form that actual ROI for, for, you know, what their objectives are. Very interesting. Okay, so yeah, lots to, to go deeper into there. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the amount of stakeholders, that's quite interesting, like quite how beholden your, you and your team must be to members of other stakeholders ultimately that need to get out content related to investors, you know, for employer branding, et cetera. But to go underneath that, then you mentioned, you know, measurement. So what other kind of, you mentioned outcomes and impacts, which is a really nice way of phrasing it. We'll go into that in a second, but I want to talk about the metrics that matter the most to you. What are those kind of things that you're, that you are tracking that you're like, this is how we judge success predominantly. Yeah. So this one can be a quite a hard one because we are, if it's all about creating brand awareness for Racket, if it's all about, you know, actually just building that corporate brand and and getting people to understand that Racket is behind some of these these big products, that that piece is always really hard to track. So, and this might be going back, you know, back a few years, but what value can we actually put behind impressions and reach? Because for us, there is still value behind that because 
as in particular with impressions, if we're if people are seeing our content, if they're being served our content, you know, two to three times, that's just getting our brand out there. So we are putting value at, uh, behind some of those real, you know, top level output impressions and reach metrics because they do still mean something to us. And, you know, I know often they can be seen as vanity metrics, but we do, you know, if we can put value, we put value behind those. So they, they, they are impactful and it is a way for us to, you know, present that back to the business as well. And then there are, you know, there, there's much more than specific metrics that, that come from, from some of the, the other elements there. And it's working with, as I said, the internal teams, but it's also working with some of our other digital channels just to make sure, you know, we're, we're following, um, you know, we're um, uh, understanding where our, our audiences are going after they've left our social channels, what they're then doing on our website. So there's, there's other than more specific metrics that we're looking at. And as I said, we've got a measurement team that's coming to look at um, corporate affairs holistically. So that means that even if we've got these output metrics coming from social, we can then see correlations, potentially some causations as well, with other areas that we're then measuring as well from a corporate affairs. So it's not social media isn't off sitting here on its own in its silo in an echo chamber, you know, it's then connected to other areas of the business where we can then show the impact that it is having or the, the correlation um, with the impact. Such think, a point just to just to interject there. Um, yeah. So many businesses don't get that point. So yeah, social media should never be in a silo. It's so good to hear that's like an integrated part of a broader comms strategy, comms team, etc. So yeah, really interesting. Sorry for the interjection, but definitely worthwhile calling out. No yeah, no worries. Um, I was just going to say there's there's a couple of other um, metrics that we do also track. So absolutely engagement and engagement rate is a, is a big one for us. Yeah. In particular on, on different types of campaigns. So, you know, if it's, if it's geared up for engagement, um, that's obviously always one we track. Also follower numbers as well. So uh, not not really on Facebook because we know Facebook isn't, isn't really a, um, a follower collection um, a platform, but uh, LinkedIn in particular, follower numbers um, is, is, a, is a metric that we track um, and also on, on Instagram too. So, so those are some other specific metrics that we do, do look at as well. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Well, let's, let's talk more, more strategy stuff now. Let's see, let's go to right to the heart of some kind of actionable bits that some of our audience can take away as well. So, so from your corporate brand perspective, we now understand like the main purpose behind it and the kind of business strategy behind it, which is great. But then what are the channels that you execute that across? And secondly to that, what are the ones that you drive most ROI from? Yeah, so we have four channels uh, that uh, are fit within our social media strategy. So that is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And I would say wider than just our racket channels and, um, you know, thinking about employee ambassadors as part of our social media, you know, um, uh, strategy is a key element as well. So how do our leaders represent racket across the, their personal channels? Um, how do they, you know, there, there's obviously different um, subject matters and topics that each of the leaders might stand up. So how do they represent Racket? And 
how can that be actually included in what we're doing and, and the ROI that we might then get from some of that reach. And also, you know, we've got leaders, but also, you know, really engaged employee ambassadors that really, you know, represent Racket in a great way, in particular on LinkedIn, LinkedIn being a really sort of important channel for us, um, you know, uh, and helping us to really drive, drive the corporate brand. So I wanted to mention that as well as it's not just, it's not just our, our record owned channels. It's also, you know, our, our absolutely our leaders and our employees as well and, and how they represent record. So I mentioned LinkedIn a fair amount, and I would say that LinkedIn is, is, is a great channel for us to be able to drive some of those really specific ROIs. So how many hires, you know, we have from, from people seeing our content is a big one because that behind it, you can even put a monetary value around that. So that one is, is a really important one from, from a LinkedIn perspective. And I would say that LinkedIn is one of our, our most important channels um, for, for how we really activate as a corporate brand. Because, you know, we, we can reach some of those really interesting um, audiences from that as well. And obviously, we have our other channels and they all play their part and they all have different channel strategies as well. So, you know, we're on, we're on Twitter, you know, we're, we're talking to potentially uh, media and uh, NGOs and investors sort of on, on Twitter. On Instagram, it's very much, actually, you know, Instagram is an, is an internal channel as well. So, you know, a lot of employees get content about Racket on Instagram and, and Instagram, again, similar to LinkedIn, great to talk to people, potential talent, people who might be interested in, in coming to work for, for Racket too. Um, and then obviously Facebook is Facebook is what it is. I think Facebook has some <laughs> has some really great obviously targeting, um, you know, uh, um, reaching to, to Instagram as well. Um, yeah, uh, that that it is a channel for us. Um, whether or not it's an important one is 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 yet to be decided. Yeah, I think I don't think you're alone with how you just <laughs> Facebook. So uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, so what's the, the mix between organic versus paid then across the platforms? Yeah, so we do a lot of organic content and this is probably where we sit slightly different to, you know, um, brand-led activation on social media where the, um, you know, where you're just trying to sell product or, you know, you're trying to get leads or whatever it may be. Um, I, it's really important for us as as a as a corporate brand to to do to have organic content and to really get that organic reach as well. Um, where we see really great organic reach is on channels like Instagram and and LinkedIn, and we we focus quite heavily on creating content that's going to work really nicely for those channels as well and, and content that we know that people are actively going to really engage with from an organic perspective too so there there is you know there is a, a big element of, of organic content that, that sits across our, our strategy for paid absolutely you know we we wouldn't get anywhere without without paid media um as i said we, we there's different levels to it so there's that brand awareness level and then there's that more specific level so what i like to call business as usual bau um it's very much you know making sure that our content is is out there with the right audiences so there's so we tend to boost 
uh, organic content and that sort of way. And then we will then run, you know, campaigns uh, alongside that that might have specific objectives, specific KPIs for for different um, activations that we might have across the year. Got you. So just just kind of um, dissecting that a little bit, you would say your strategy is predominantly like biased towards organic, even though paid is a thing. Like, would you say like 60, 40, 70, 30, if you had to give a split like that, where the emphasis of the efforts go towards? Yeah, I would say 60, 40 is probably a good one. Um, I think, you know, and as I said, at the infancy of 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 really where we where we're taking where we're taking this right so so really you know understanding how these channels are moving what changes are being made you know when you look at a channel like facebook organic isn't isn't a thing so really just moving with the channels and understanding where we can reach our audiences the idea is to reach our audiences at the right place with the right message at the right time so however we do that let, let's just just um you know we're at the mercy of of, of some of these channels right so um so 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 there's that as well so as a as a as i said we're, we're really building out you know our strategy um and 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 we'll move forward in the right way awesome okay that makes a load of sense now i want to take a step into the the strategy stuff again and think about like when it comes to you for you building a content strategy and you know filtering it down into a content plan because naturally as we discussed earlier quite beholden to a lot of the the demands from across the organization right because you're operating at a broad corporate level so i'm curious to know like how does like strategy creation happen for you do you have certain like themes and topics where we say we're committing to this and you know we'll try and encompass parts of the business but you have to have hard conversations to say mm, no that doesn't fit with what we're trying to do so yeah, I'm curious to know how you can kind of get focused on executing your strategy when you've got, you know, multiple demands from across the business. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a really interesting question and there has been a journey. So we are the a global team. We've got global channels and we are the corporate brand. So basically that is every country, every brand. So what does that mean when we're trying to create a strategy, right? Who are we actually trying to, to represent? Who are we trying to talk to? Because the idea is not to boil the ocean. So I, I heard that phrase, you know, a couple of years ago from, from someone I used to work for, and I absolutely really love it and I use it all the time because that's really what we need to think about when we are a lean team, when we are, you know, sitting at that corporate global level, because we can't create any impact if we're trying to do everything for everyone. Right. So it has been a journey. Yeah. It really has been a journey. And I think um, the way that we look at it is external factors and uh, internal priorities. So how we look at our strategy is it's, it's iterative because it needs to be, because that is the nature of business. That is the nature of the world. And, you know, that, that is actually really going to find, define how we stand up that strategy. So we have our core audiences. We have our top content themes of, of content and, and how we sort of create that content within those sort of pillars. And then which ones we stand up at which times, as I said, really depends on the priorities of the business at the time and external factors. Big external factor, you know, 
it wouldn't be a podcast in 2021 if we didn't mention the vid. And <laughs> basically, you know, as we came into 2020 last year, as I said, we had as a business just, you know, launched this brand new purpose as a company. We exist to protect, heal, and nurture in the relentless pursuit of a cleaner, healthier world. Okay, so 2022, February, that's what we said. March 2020, let's see how we can do that. <laughs> you know, we've got COVID that comes in and we need to absolutely just pivot as a business. And I, you know, I'm super proud of what the company has been able to achieve over the past sort of 18 months, you know, standing up teams, being able to really, you know, ramp up manufacturing for Dettol, all of the, you know, hygiene um, related, you know, um, support that we needed really just across the globe. And obviously that meant we needed to change tack completely when it came to social media. What are we talking about? You know, what is on the mind of everyone at the moment? Everyone's scared. You know, everyone wants to understand what they can do, what's going to help them, what's going to, you know, keep them, um, keep them safe as well. So that really, obviously, it, it, it was a chance for us to really show how we can actually, you know, live our purpose as a company. And I think I'm, I'm really proud of, you know, how we were able to, you know, do a 180 and just and just go for it and then just be there to to really live that purpose for all of our um you know consumers yeah definitely with you on that yeah that's got to be a rather challenging situation to to confront i mean it's challenging for everyone but like just kind of cutting through some of that um you know what would what would be your advice for others that face kind of similar situations where they feel they might be kind of pulled in different directions by different strategies, external factors, et cetera. What advice would you give to another kind of, you know, small social media team trying yeah. to balance all of that stuff yet execute against, you know, what their strategy against their research that they've, that they've conducted at the start of the year, for example. So often it's about um, educating people. So often you'll have people internally say, you know, I want to say this, on this channel to this person and often it's a hang on let's take a step back what are your objectives and what do you want to achieve and let's see an easier way to do that for you so often there's push and pull from the business but but it's because they might not understand actually what social media can do for them mm -hmm. so there's the education piece so a lot of you know what I I do when teams come to me with, with, with different ideas, it's, it's taking a step back and just getting them to look at objectively where are they going to have an impact and, and what do they actually want to achieve? And then we can then have that conversation of what that might look like. Sure. So yeah. often, often there's that piece. Then I think, you know, you, you often then are going to then have the conflicting, um, uh, conflicting uh, things that are, that are happening. You know, sometimes it's just a knuckle down and we have to do both of these things and or all of these things. And, and that, that is the case. And that, I think that is absolutely the, the nature of the game as nature of social media. So you, you sometimes do have to do that, but then other times it's uh, what's going to have the most impact for the business and where can we measure that impact or that ROI or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's going to set us up for the most success in six months, in a year. 
So it's having potentially tough conversations, but just figuring out really what your priorities are and where you as a small social media team can position yourselves in the right way. And do you know what? If you create that impact and you, you're able to say, we did X, Y, Z, we did this, this has had this ROI, you're going to get them more buy-in. You're the, then going to get more resource to be able to then boil the ocean in a sense, right? You're then going to get, you're going to build out your team if you have been able to actually show the impact that you can have. Got you. Yeah, it's really, really powerful, actually. So th- let's talk about some some impact and talk about some of the, you know, I appreciate you're early on in doing this. It's an evolutionary strategy, right? So it's, I appreciate you sharing all of this at the very, very start of your journey. Have you back in a couple of years and see where, see where you come on. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, thinking about some of the impact you've created, are there any particular things that you're like, actually, I'm really proud of that we, we achieved this kind of early on? Any kind of things you want to call out? Um, I, I mean, the one thing I, I have to call out is um, the rebrand to Racket. So up until uh, the 23rd of March this year, we were RB. We had been RB, actually just the two letters RB, not Racket Bankisa, uh, since 2014. Before that, we were Racket Bankisa. Before that, we were Reckon and Coleman. Often people actually just remember us as Reckon and Coleman, but we haven't been them since 1999. Um, so, so, so there's that. So we have had this sort of evolution as a company. And what was amazing was getting to work on the complete overhaul of what it meant to be RB and then what it meant to be as a business. So as I said, last year, we launched our, our purpose and our corporate brand didn't really, didn't really reflect who we are as a business anymore. We weren't RB, we sort of had a, a pink kite and, and that look and feel and our tone of voice and the way we sort of showed up didn't really represent actually who we, we are now and how we have evolved as a company. So the idea was then to do a complete rebrand um, to wreck it um, on the 23rd of March. So obviously, as I've been talking, that name isn't very different, is it? But the name isn't, isn't different. We are just wreck it now. However, as you'll see, if you, if you want to go check out, you know, the, the evolution of the company, you can, you can check it out on, on wreckit.com. But as you'll see, it's night and day on, on what, our, what our company is now compared to, to what we were as RB. You know, it's, it's not just a change of logo. It's a change of identity. It's a change of, um, you know, tone of voice, just really how we show up um, and how we really position ourselves now for success as, as a company. And there's, there's so many elements that fit into that. So um, I had the pleasure of being able, pleasure of being able to work on that, that complete rebranding of the company. And it, there was a lot of learnings on, on actually how you do rebrand on across social media as well. So I, I'm really proud of the impact that we were able to make um, with rebranding all of our, our digital channels. And then also the, uh, the, the campaign, obviously, then with that, that we then created um, uh, to introduce the new brand. 
And what was what was really cool? So so obviously I've been working at Racket for for six years now, and what was really cool was being able to actually work on brand new identity, brand new colors, new tone of voice, and being able to do something completely different. And I just didn't feel constricted anymore. And and actually how we're presenting the company, which which was which was a really a great feeling. Mm. And I'm super proud of. Uh, the impact that we were able to have from from that rebranding activity as well. So obviously we we put a number of of, of media uh, spend sort of behind it and and different sort of digital elements, um, but also the engagement that that then came from that too. So it really had a big impact, um, you know, with with many of our audiences, and they really understood what it meant now to be record and why we were rebranding, which I think was, was the one question that we needed to make sure we answered when we rebranded the company. We needed people to understand why. You know, why, why now? Why record? Why this? Why this visual identity? Why? And I think we really got that message out there um, with the right audiences. And, and I'm really proud of that because I think that often can be a, be a hard question to answer in a sense yeah no I'm absolutely with you on that because sometimes like corporate reputation building brand building is quite an esoteric type of subject right it's very hard to make that tangible and demonstrable but let's let's flip this conversation to the kind of final few questions actually so so on the other side of like the things that you're proud of what are the things that you found particularly challenging and you know you might want to frame this as thinking about like what you hope to develop more for the future yeah, so I think it has been challenging sometimes when we have really specific objectives and we don't reach them. You know, that, that can be really frustrating in a sense, you know. Um, and it comes with more of our nuanced um, audiences, I would say. You know, a, a big audience of ours is um, innovation partners, for example, um, also healthcare professionals, uh, you know, when we're, when we're talking about some of our consumer health products. And sometimes, you know, some of those uh, campaigns don't have the impact that you would hope for. You know, they, they, not many, they didn't have a very big click-through, even though that was the objective of the campaign. Um, you know, we didn't get many people, you know, submitting their, um, their innovative ideas. Um, and often that can be quite disheartening because you can go into a conversation with an internal stakeholder and say, you know, we can achieve this. That's great. You know, this is what I'm expecting. And when you don't get there, it's, it's a difficult one, you know, and, and, I, and it, it's hard because you might have massive impressions or reach, but because the objective for this was, you know, people clicking through and, and, and doing X, Y, Z um, and, and you don't get it, that, that, that can be tough. So. I think with some of these more specific niche nuanced uh, campaigns that we want to run and we will continue to run, I think there's, there's more work that we can do there to understand who those audiences are, tailor the messages a little bit better probably for them, um, and then hopefully we can then set ourselves, up, set ourselves up for more of a success when it comes to running some of those specific campaigns. Got you. And uh, I mean, you touched on employee advocacy earlier and we, we spoke about this a lot um, with IBM in the previous podcast. Yeah. Like, uh, 
because I'm guessing you're probably quite early on in that as a strategy. And do you see you know, future potential for that as a as a channel you want to grow? Absolutely. It, it absolutely is sort of, you know, um, I wouldn't say top of the agenda, but is on the, the agenda um, at the moment. And the way I see employee advocacy is sort of like a, a tiered um, approach to employee advocacy. So you've got leaders at the top. So leaders are obviously going to be those advocates for, for the racket brand. They're going to stand up different content um, topics, pillars, depending on who they are. <clears throat> You've then got that middle, that middle tier, and that is people who are already engaging with racket, people who are already excited to share what it's like to work at racket, excited to share their own content, native content that they create. So we've got those people. Those people, it's about, you know, getting in contact with them. It's about providing them with guidance. It's about giving them, you know, details of campaigns uh, that might be upcoming. So they sort of get like an inside look at them. So it's about engaging with them and, and building out, you know, their personal brand, but how we can help them to do that. And then I see that bottom tier and bottom doesn't mean less important, but, but that, that tier is people who want to talk about racket, but don't know how they don't, they, they don't feel confident creating content, sharing content on their personal social media to talk about uh, the racket brand. They, they don't feel confident writing or whatever it may be. And that's where that, that, that tier of, of people, you know, we can help them with tools. You know, there's obviously there, there's so many different employee advocacy tools that are out there and that's, I think, where those tools come in as well. And that's where we can help them to, you know, we can we can start to position some of our content tailored to our employees, giving them some, you know, pre-scripted um, copy that comes from it. So, so that's our approach, and that's how I absolutely will will be um, uh, approaching approaching the the employee advocacy piece. Nice. And you know, there's elements of those things that are already happening in the first two tiers. So it's about really, you know, building that out as a, an official, you know, strategy and, and, and then moving forward with that. Love it. And um, let's go into the nice final question, because that segues quite nicely, which is, you know, you mentioned tools. So what are those kind of things that are in your strategy toolbox? How do you build your plans? And it might be something as simple as Excel or Google Sheets. <laughs> Like, what are those things that you rely on on a day-to-day doing your role? Yeah, it's very basic, I would say. So um, we do have uh, some tools that that we use. So um, we have a we use Social Studio, uh, mainly for um, community management. We, we schedule some content on Social Studio, but that's mainly our, our community management platform that we use. We also, um, you know, obviously have... Uh, social listening tools so we, we we use social listening a number of different um tools that we that we use there to make sure that we understand our, our whole ecosystem that we make sure that we're not just in an echo chamber you know talking to ourselves about ourselves um so so make sure that that horizon scanning is is always happening um and then really on a day-to-day basis as you say excel uh, is one that is, is a platform that we use. We use Google Docs um, with some of our, our different external partners um, to, to plan our, our, our calendars. You know, um, we are a PowerPoint company. So any, any PowerPoint uh, presentation that's sent across to me is always welcomed. So, so again, uh, all of those sorts of um, 
uh, tools. Also, um, Microsoft Teams um, is, is a great tool and, it, and it's one that we use with external partners as well. Nice. Very, very interesting. Love it. Well, um, yeah, Kelsey, this has been an absolute pleasure. There's lots of lots to talk about and think about here. And it's really interesting to think about like how an organization, the size and scale of Reckit uh, is still very early on in the journey of, of building this. But it's really reassuring to hear how you know, an organization of that size has recognized the importance of overall corporate branding and the importance of recognizing social as a key distribution channel for that which is obviously as you know recognized by the impact of you know having you as a full-time dedicated individual in this role and I think you've you've hired someone as well fairly recently am I right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so we've got another person to come in and support across social too so yeah re- really really great to have have more resource that's brilliant so yeah culture is very much shifting and it just goes to show like even a organization as you know, steeped in history as large as Reckitt can still kind of change and transition to, to really be driven through social, which is really exciting. But um, if anyone wants to learn any more um, about your work at Reckitt, where can they find you, Kelsey? Yeah, so um, best place to find me personally would be on LinkedIn. Um, so you should you should be able to find me there. I'm, I'm probably quite easy to find. I don't think anyone else has my name on LinkedIn. Um, so, so you can find me there. And our actual Reckitt channels, uh, as I've I've mentioned the channels that we're on, but our handle is this is Reckitt. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, back to the studio. Thanks for that, Kelsey. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much again. And uh, uh, thanks, Kelsey, for going through a lot of insight. That was uh, truly what I was saying in terms of packed full of information. Um, You mentioned as well, 43,000 people uh, and yet you know in the in the early stages only a third of a person working you know on social media and also it's really interesting to learn how that's how that's changed how that's evolved and how the perception of the importance of social media in a global organization uh, has changed as well but equally what is achievable with such a lean team um, you mentioned you know your in terms of how you think about and consider your efforts you know being based on external factors internal priorities uh, and how those were kind of put to the test as well, you know, back in February, March 2020, when when COVID took uh, took hold of the earth. Um, and I also I love I mean, there's so much I want to sort of recap on here. But but what I loved about was the data piece. I mean, my organization based creative, we, we really hold data um, and insight, you know, the core of all of our decision making when it comes to comms and marketing. Um, so it's interesting to hear about the metrics that you guys, you know, look at and track, you know, impressions and reach, and also combining that with the, the metrics being measured elsewhere within the business to look at correlation and potentially causation as well. Um, you know, fascinating, fascinating. Right. So, Becky, we've got some, we've got some additional sort of questions as well. Let's let's go through those. What have we got? We do. Um, firstly, so when you are having kind of so many eyes on your accounts, I wanted to just rewind back to your rebrand. So when you were changing from RB to Reckit, were there any hurdles that you had to overcome in terms of your actual social accounts? Like, was there any pressure about, okay, we need to make sure we've secured a new handle, that kind of thing? Like, I'd love to know more about that. Yes, many a hurdle. (laughs) There was, and it's a difficult one because obviously it was strictly confidential. Um, I worked on the the rebrand sort of you know eight months in advance, but no one knew about it until the twenty third of of March. So 
it's a difficult one when you're then trying to make sure that you've you've got the handles, you've secured the handles, what your handles are going to be um, ahead of people not knowing. So you don't want people to, to see that a, a handle has been taken. It was the same with our domain for our website as well. Um, so what we use third parties to do that because that's really the only way to do it. So we had um, third parties help us uh, to secure uh, handles ahead of time. Um, we did come into a couple of different hurdles. So we actually had a domain squatter um, on our Instagram. And basically, as we rebranded um, on the 23rd of March, we we were changing to at this is record, as I mentioned, and we changed our Facebook. It, it, it changed quite quickly. Um, however, on Instagram, we we already knew that the that handle um, was available, but we then had someone who who took the handle as we had rebranded the rest of our um, of the rest of our channels. So so that was unfortunate. Um, you know, Facebook had said that they hadn't really seen that happen before, which um, which was interesting. So. It was a bit of a process. Um, it took us a, a few days. I think it was about five days, um, and we were able to get that that handle back from from that domain squatter. That's good that you've had some support in being able to to do that, and not faced with having to, you know, wait weeks or being held at ransom to get you know the the, the account handle that you wanted. Um, I can imagine how confidential that must have been. Um, yeah, any of that kind of leaking out, right? There was many an NDA for sure. Yes, we, and obviously we had to have a lot of support from from external agencies. So it had to come and you know we invite them in at the right time to 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 then obviously help us with with the rebrand. I'm not do I wasn't doing it on my own. We had a lot of help from external partners. Um, another question. So we've kind of gone back looking forward. Obviously, this year at the beginning, um, we saw Clubhouse come on to centre stage and this kind of kickstarted this trend for audio spaces. So I just wondered what your thoughts are over the next 12 months, if this is something that you're thinking about bringing into your strategy and just how you adapt when new platforms or new content types kind of start coming. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think, um, as I said, you know, we want to be in the right place at the right time for our right audiences. Um, so we are open to adapting where we sit and, and what channels we activate on. And that could look like TikTok or, you know, um, we could look to develop um, uh, podcasts or, or different elements that sit within it. I think um, audio is, a, is an interesting one for me. I think personally as well, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and um, I think it's a really interesting way to, to, to get information. Um, the, the, the listeners will probably also think that as well. Um, so it is absolutely um, an area that we're looking into. And we partner really closely with the rest of the, the corporate comms team. So we don't work in a silo on social, as I said. We work with the internal communication team. We work with, you know, the other teams that activate in different areas. So how can we take potentially some of that some of that that work that's happening and 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 already in some of these these types of um, of content formats and taking those and seeing what we can do across social as well. I think Clubhouse certainly works from an event point of view. That's how we've originally uh, sort of uh, toyed with the idea of using Clubhouse was pushing content. Um, you know, it's great for live live events. Um, I think you know I'd be keen to know 
if uh, if it is something Reckitt does does pick up in the future in terms of you know uh, audio audio first um, social. Uh, Becky, we've only got time for for one more question if you have it. Um, final one. So we've talked a lot about reputation management today. So just any um, tips or strategy that you have going into kind of crisis management if that was to happen on your socials. Crisis management. Yeah, I think um, it all really depends on on what on what that crisis is. To be honest, and we work really closely with our crisis communications team because we we do have a team that's part of our external affairs team, and we work really really closely with them. So we they are connected to you know social studio with our with our agency. So everything is flagged up um, as soon as possible um, when it comes to you know anything that 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 might be you know happening externally to us or comments or, or anything obviously across um, our social listening tools too so we work really closely with them and it all really depends on what it is you know uh, is it about um sometimes there can be sort of depending what it is blackout periods um it's it's an approach probably we used to take i don't think we really take that anymore um but it really as i said depends what it is if it's about just monitoring it if it's about responding if it's about putting out a statement on our website um yeah it it, it all there's lots of different ways really to approach it and we have a robust um team and integrated team um in what we're doing on social to allow us to react no sorry respond not react um really in in um in situations like that um, brilliant. I feel like it's probably going to be an easier for me to, to recap on what we haven't spoken about today because it really has been jam-packed. Things like um, what can be achieved with uh, you know a small team and a global organisation. Kelsey also mentioned about the importance of employee engagement within a, a social media strategy. Uh, there was some advice towards the end to our peers in terms of you know, making social media a success in a business to look again at the overall objectives, being able to demonstrate impact and how that can lead hopefully to you know, more investment and ideally a bigger team. And also just finishing up there uh, with some advice on, on, on crisis management. Um, that's been brilliant. For those who are listening and who'd like to get involved, ask questions for the next show, then keep an eye out on, our, on the next topic uh, on our social media channels. You can follow us on Twitter at ShareSocialLDN or on Instagram at SharingSocialLondon. Again, a big thank you to Kelsey from Reckitt for being on the show today and sharing your insights. Uh, and this wraps up the second episode. We're back next month. I cannot wait. But from myself, Becca, Andy and Kelsey, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next month.